Hi, welcome to the This Mama Needs Grace podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Capel. This is a podcast about a lot of things. Motherhood, marriage, coffee, running, routines. But above all else, this is a podcast about love. It is about grace, and it ultimately is about Jesus. Join me here every week where I turn my neat, typed-up blog content into a raw and honest conversation with you, my friend. Happy Monday, and welcome back to episode number six of the This Mama Needs Grace podcast. After a nice week off in New York City, I am back at it with the podcast scene and excited to be here. These past few weeks have been a bit full and crazy over here at the Capel household. From our Arizona road trip, bathroom model, New York City trip, and Hudson turning one, it has been a bit chaotic. All good things, but this mama is exhausted and drained. This is the place where I'm coming from as I write my first post of the week, which is all about feeling like not doing all the things. Our busyness has gotten me out of my typical routine. In all the moments of rest, I typically carve into my schedule. I've been thrown out, and the result is a major case of lack of motivation to do all the things my soul desperately needs, like quiet time, like cardio, like being in the word. This is a great one to listen to if you have been feeling like you're in a rut and know what you should be doing but have trouble making it actually happen. I am with you. So I really hope this post can act as encouragement for you. Second post is a celebration of our sweet Hudson who officially turned one on Saturday. I cannot believe a whole year has gone by. It went by so fast even though there were definitely a few months that were extra slow, but as a whole, it went by so quickly, and I cannot believe how much he is growing and changing and becoming just such an amazing little boy. I give you six final lessons the second half of the year have taught me. I am truly so grateful God gave us our sweet Hudson, and this particular post I am really proud of. It feels especially honest and authentic. I hope it can connect to everyone out there, especially all the mamas. Like I always say, enough rambling, let's get into it. Here are my two posts from the week. When you don't feel like it. All day I've been planning on sitting down to get some writing in. It is now nearly 9 p.m. and these are the first words I'm creating all day, minus the numerous text messages I sent out. The thing is, I could have easily squeezed in an hour of solid writing. But instead, I dilly-dallied. I mindlessly scrolled and consumed social media, and I watched unnecessary drama on The Bachelorette. The task of writing has been in the back of my head all day, but I seem to put everything ahead of it. The nine miles, the loads and loads of laundry, the dirty dishes, the grocery list, the dinner, the banana bread, the party planning. I think what I really needed today was to write. I needed quiet, I needed time alone, time to string words together. I needed the steady rhythm of fingertips tapping away. I needed to sort things in my head through. I needed reflection and revision. This is what I needed, but instead I avoided it. I clicked on Facebook, Instagram, Gmail, Netflix, anything but write. I did not feel like it today. 
I did not want to write another post that only my husband, mother, and a few kind people will read. I did not want to write today, but here I am at 8.50 p.m. writing. And with each passing word, I feel better. That is what I want to talk about today. How do we do the things that are good for us, even on the days or weeks or years when we simply don't feel like it? That is a loaded question, and to be honest, I don't really have an answer, but I do have a few thoughts. Right now, you could probably name a handful of things you don't feel like doing. I sure can. Going on a run, making the bed, folding all those loads of laundry I previously mentioned, emptying the dishwasher, waking up early, eating healthy, being kind, reading a book, writing, and the list could go on. Those last three might be the most surprising, but if I'm being honest, right now, kindness does not feel natural to me, nor does reading or writing. Here's the thing, if I lived my days off of my current feelings, not much would get accomplished. I would eat a lot of sugar, watch Grey's Anatomy, and be alone in my room. That's the truth. Clearly, my feelings can't be trusted. Watching endless hours of hospital drama and consuming lots and lots of sugar is not a recipe to a fulfilled life. This is why I have such a problem with the phrase, follow your heart. Follow my heart? Really? My heart cannot be trusted. It's broken, sinful, selfish. My heart will lead me astray every single time. Sure, it might feel right in the moment, but long term, the feelings in my heart won't satisfy. Only Jesus will. I need to follow him, not my heart. And the thing with Jesus is that he is in the business of people and serving. So following him naturally revolves around these two things. For an introvert, this is not always easy. Following Jesus is not always the easy thing to do. It actually rarely is, but it is always the right thing. My heart can't be trusted, but he certainly can. So, returning back to that question, how do we do the things, the good things, the things our soul longs for, even when it is not our natural inclination? I think the first part to answer this question is learning how to differentiate between what our human heart longs for and the calling of Jesus in our lives. This is a good time to mention that I do believe that these two things can and should line up at times. This is the mark of a mature faith that is immersed in the word. However, I am coming more from a post-vacation mindset. We just got back from a trip to New York City. We had the best time, but I felt completely out of normal rhythms. We squeezed a ton into our few days into the city. We even made a relatively detailed itinerary to ensure we got all the things we wanted to eat, see, and do in. We had full fun days. We stuffed our faces with lobster rolls and cookies the size of our faces. We rode the subway back and forth all over the city. We ran along the Hudson River, did loops in Central Park, and walked all over. My Fitbit has never hit such high numbers. We did all the things, but there was a sacrifice. My quiet morning devotional time, that vanished. We forgot to include that in the itinerary. And if I'm honest, it put me into a bit of a slump. I forget how important some of my daily patterns I place into my life are. I need time alone with God. I need to be in His Word daily. My heart gets weird without this. I become lazy. I desire TV over discipline. Especially as I recover from this post-vacation hangover, my daily patterns and routines become even more important. I need to get back into these rhythms. I need to wake up early, even though I definitely do not feel like it. I need to open my Bible, not Instagram. I need to write, even when the words seem to not be there. I need to run hard, even when I want to just stay in a comfortable pace. 
And most importantly, I need to love. I need to love and serve the people in my life, even though what my heart really desires is to retreat and be alone. There are seasons where everything I listed above comes comes so much more naturally. I leap out of bed. I enthusiastically open my Bible. The words come easily. The miles do too, and kindness is my attitude of choice. However, again, if I'm honest, there are more days where this is not the case. This is where patterns of discipline become so important. I write a lot about routines and daily rhythms, and the reason is because they keep me on track. They help me to do the good things I need in my life, even when I don't feel like it. I know I began by saying I didn't fully have an answer to the question, but I think this is my answer. Establish daily, weekly, monthly, yearly patterns in your life and stick with them. Do them with a no matter whatness attitude. The thing that I love about routine is that it takes away some of the thinking and decision making. This could be why I thrived in high school. A lot of my days were determined by pre-existing bell schedule. The bells have faded away. Now it is up to me to create the bells, the rhythms, the patterns. All this to say vacation and stepping away from normal life is a good thing. But if you're anything like me, it can be harmful to step away from the patterns that keep you grounded and rooted. So, when you don't feel like doing all the things, check the patterns in your life. Check what is taking up your minutes. Check what it is you are consuming. Are you taking in truth or bad television drama? It may seem like a small choice, but it is these little choices that make all the difference. It could be that you need to make just a few small adjustments to get back on track, or it could be that you need to do the thing even when every fiber of your body and mind is fighting against it. This morning, I had a long temper run I was supposed to do. I have done this temper run for the past three Wednesdays, except I missed it this past Wednesday due to travel. The small break in routine made me really not want to run it today. And along with that deep internal feeling of dreading something, there were things that happened along the way that made me want to choose the easy thing. Skip the tempo. I was very close to choosing this option, but something kept hugging me along. And I did it. I did it even though I lost the contact in one of my eyes. The route I normally do was completely closed off, and my breathing was much harder than normal. And here's the thing. My pace was slower than previous weeks. My focus was slightly fuzzy, probably due to the fact I had clear vision in only one eye. And I wanted to stop basically every mile. But I did it. To me, this tempo was my best so far in training. Again, it was not the fastest one. I actually did the worst on this one, but I pushed through. I did not let go of my no matter what attitude. Outwardly, not the best performance, but inwardly, it required way more focus and discipline than the days where the miles and pace were effortless. The thing I kept thinking about when I was running this morning was about how a lot of people can do the things when it comes easily, but what really allows you to stand out from the crowds is when you do it on the days where every part of you is fighting against it. This is where true character is built. So, if you're with me and don't feel like doing all the things, especially the things you technically don't need to do, you should. Run when it's the last thing you want to. Write even the words flow slow as molasses. Just start, and you will find your rhythm. It might just take until mile nine or the 1,000th word. Six more lessons in the first year of motherhood. 
Happy first birthday to our sweet Hudson boy. I cannot believe a whole year has gone by. These past couple days, I've been very sentimental as I have thought back to what we were doing exactly a year ago. We were waiting and waiting and waiting. We went into the hospital Wednesday evening after my water broke. We literally walked up to the check-in counter and I was crying. I felt so overwhelmed and nervous and no one seemed to care that I literally was standing in a puddle of amniotic fluid. Was this normal? I was expecting to be rushed to the hospital bed. I was expecting urgency. This is important, people. I'm about to have a baby. But it was quite the opposite. No rushing, no urgency, just me crying as I stood in a puddle. After eventually being situated into our room, the real waiting began, like 43 hours of waiting. Those long hours were filled with poking and prodding, lots of jello and bone broth, prayers, and an epidural that finally allowed for sleep. There were some anxious moments in those hours, especially when we were getting close to the second day of waiting and Hudson's heart rate began to drop. I can still hear the nurse's voice when she shakily said my name. My heart has never dropped so low. She delivered the news that I needed a C-section in the most heart-stopping, terrifying way. I literally thought the worst-case scenario was happening the way she looked at me and said my name. I could handle a C-section. At that point, it didn't even matter. Did we type it up into our neat and tidy birth plan? Nope, but most of what we had in there didn't matter, or didn't happen. The sea was the least of my worries. All I wanted was my Hudson boy. Finally, Friday at 4.11 p.m., Hudson was born. And let me tell you, our world shifted in the best possible way. As I type this, as I read this, I'm actually not crying, but when I was writing this, I was. Because when I think about this moment, it truly brings me to my knees in thankfulness to God. What a good, good father. I remember lying numb in that OR just praying. I remember hearing his first cries and the warmth of my own tears flowing down my face. It no longer mattered that things didn't go as planned or that my tummy will forever have a scar. None of it mattered because our sweet boy was finally here. I tell this story because as I wrote about when Hudson turned six months, one of my first lessons was learning to be okay when things do not go as planned. You can read those first six lessons back on my blog. This lesson is only more true now. I am daily reminded that I am not the one in control. While this is a really hard lesson for someone like me that has a heart grip to control and self-reliance, I am beginning, emphasis on beginning here, to not only let go of control, but develop the ability to laugh when things don't go the way we planned. I immediately think about the Proverbs 31 woman. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. Proverbs 31, 25. Before becoming a mother, I read that verse and thought it sounded nice, but it didn't fully sink in or connect with me. It makes so much more sense to me now. I picture her house being a mess, her toddler throwing a tantrum, her clothes stained and spit up, and despite it all, I picture her laughing with the confidence and peace that can only be explained through the presence of the Holy Spirit. I am not there yet, but I desire to be. I do believe that the Lord is continuing to do a work in my heart to eventually get me to that point. While I'm not there, I think back to the way I handled situations in the first few months. My heart rate probably stayed at 110 all day long. The little peep or cry from Hudson put me into a downward spiral. 
man, was I gripped by anxiety that I have never felt before. There was definitely not a lot of laughing happening, but there certainly were a lot of tears and fear. Just yesterday in Casca, as we were shopping for food for Hudson's birthday party, I was reminded of the work the Lord is doing within me. Hudson spilled half of his water all over himself and on the floor beneath the cart. His pants were soaked and he slowly began to get more fussy as he wanted to be out of that cart. Kelly, nine months ago, would have lost it. She would have panicked and made up lies about how the cashier probably thinks I am not a very good mom. But instead, it didn't affect me. Wet pants? Who cares? We will change it when we get home. A little fussing? Who cares? Babies make noise. A bit of a mess on the floor, a casual sorry will be enough. It will be okay. The world is not ending. This may seem like a small thing to you, but let me tell you, this is huge. This confidence, this growth, it amazes me. So, if you were anything like me and are currently in those early months where everything is new and scary and anxiety-inducing, I really hope these words can encourage you. It is incredible what the Lord can do in a year. Hold on. It gets better. Okay, that was a lot, but I think all of that is important. Here are six more lessons I have learned as mother to sweet Hudson. Number one, don't sweat the small things. As I've already alluded to, the small things like water spilled everywhere and crying do not grip me in the same way they used to. One of the biggest lessons I have learned in this past year is to let go of all the little things. I will drive myself crazy if I try to control everything. Naps, floors, attitudes. There are so many things that could go wrong in life. A little sand eaten by Hudson or a spill in a restaurant are minor concerns. The world will keep spinning. I will still be a good mother. Number two, time goes quickly. It is easy to eagerly look ahead and think, I can't wait until fill in the blank. I can't wait until he doesn't wake up multiple times in a night. I can't wait until he can crawl and walk. I can't wait until he can talk. I can't wait until he eats solid foods. And the list goes on. Those are all exciting milestones, and it is easy to dream about the next stage where things seem easier. But I've learned that things change so quickly, it is so much better to be present and grateful in the season you are in. Things are already moving way too fast. I would love to go back to myself a year ago and tell her, these next few months are going to be hard, but stay in it. Soak it up. Watch him sleep as often as you can and it will get better. I had too many days where I dreamed of easier times, when I wish I had just accepted the season for what it was. Number three, trust instincts. I had a lot of doubts in the first few months. I questioned everything I did. I was too easily swayed by the opinions and advice of others. I would watch one YouTube video and implement one strategy, and the next day I would read something completely opposite and try that instead. Early on, external factors were the driving force behind how I mothered. For example, if we were out and Hudson was crying and someone would say, oh, he must be hungry, I would immediately feel this pressure to nurse him, even though deep down I knew hunger wasn't the issue. I just fed him. My internal mother instinct knew his needs, but I didn't trust it yet. Now I do, and we are both so much happier because of it. Number four, breastfeeding can become a dear friend. 
My relationship with breastfeeding over the course of this year has changed drastically. I used to hate it. I know hate is a strong word, but I really did. I dreaded every couple hours when it was time to nurse again. It felt like rejection and failure all in one. It felt incredibly weird and uncomfortable to me. I am a slow learner. Change is hard for me. It takes me a while to adjust and learn. Those first few months, I could not even fathom the possibility of making it to a year of breastfeeding. But here I am, a year later, unsure if I want to give it up quite yet. While I would not gush about it in the same way others have talked about it, it has become part of who I am. It is like sleeping, breathing, running. It is how I start and end my days. While it used to feel weird and uncomfortable, it now only feels natural and familiar. Side note here, while I was able and chose to exclusively breastfeed, this is not for everyone, nor is it always possible for everyone. Fed is always best. This is another thing I really wish I could tell myself a year ago. I was so hard on myself. Every night was another meltdown. I wish I could have told myself that it would be okay, that I would make it, but I also wish I could tell myself breastfeeding is not the goal. I put way too much emphasis on it and that created a lot of stress for the both of us. Just like any relationship, it can't be forced. Take it slow, trust the process, and you might break up and move on or you might just find a dear, reliable friend. Number five, don't compare. It's the thief of joy. It really is. You will find so much joy, especially in those early months, if you just focus on your baby and family. I really wish I deleted Instagram in this season. It was more harmful than helpful. My heart could not handle it. Your baby is different. You are different. Don't compare. Number six, let God take over. Let the Lord enter your sleepless nights. Let him enter with you at the grocery store. Let him enter when you don't have the energy or the words or the wisdom. He can fill in all the holes, all the areas of weakness. Let him take over. Give him the reins. Say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. Help me. And he will. That's all for this week. I hope you enjoyed. This Mama Needs Grace is just a little newborn when it comes to the podcasting world. So if you're loving what I have to say, I would so appreciate it if you could go and rate and review this podcast on iTunes. We just got our fourth review last week from Kennedy, and she said this, I'm obsessed with how authentic and real this podcast is. Especially as a new mom myself, I so resonate with the words and lessons of Kelly. This is a must listen. You will be encouraged, reminded, connected. Ugh, so nice, Kennedy. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Quick reminder that if you can't wait until Monday, you can always read my content first on the blog at thismommaneedsgrace.com. I post every Wednesday and Saturday. Have a great week, and I will see you back here on Monday.